Hi, and welcome to another episode of Chart of Fortune, the podcast where I look at the birth charts of the moments and things that made pop culture. I'm your host, Elise Blaylock, and this is as close as we're coming to a vibe check that you can have on a podcast. It's been a year. It's been a month. It has been a damn week. Apparently, it's been a week since the election. Like, how are we all holding up, even holding together? If you have figured out how to label any of those feelings, then it turns out you're doing pretty damn well. And if you're just dealing with those big feelings by sharing political memes and then eating Halloween candy, then congratulations, because we are the same person. Hey, me, you're such a good listener. Sources close to this podcast, who also might be named Google Calendar, let me know that tomorrow is Veterans Day, which in America is a day where we honor those who served our country in the armed forces. But this is Chart of Fortune, not NPR. We're not running some retrospective on a past conflict or an investigative piece of military spending. You know, and I'm not people.com. I'm a little bit, like just a smidge above, simply listing out a slideshow of random places where veterans can get free food or swag. You know what? You go get your Krispy Kreme, people.com, because my sexiest man alive for 2020 was Dr. Anthony Fauci, and it should have been yours. I mean, I love John Legend, but this lady only has eyes for a swaggering septuagenarian who believes in vaccines and science and frameless glasses. Meow. No, the chart of fortune way isn't about intelligent and credible journalism. It's not about photo galleries with terrible funds and stock photos. I mean, maybe the last one. That sounds kind of nice. It would only be on brand to find some random fragment of 2000s pop culture that only slightly relates to this holiday to get close enough to almost making a holiday-themed episode, but without doing the work. And guess what, baby? I did just that. I give you the theme of the episode, the birth chart of the film Cadet Kelly. For those not in the know, this is a DCOM or Disney Channel original movie. It starred every other elder millennial's soul sisters, Christy Carlson Romano and Hilary Duff. It's a movie that almost delves into the fraught nature of female relationships, but instead focuses on military dance routines. Yeah, okay, so basically this movie is a story about two people who don't really like each other and have to find a way to work together while they're both living at the same military school. One of the characters is giving me this total Aquarius or maybe Pisces vibes. Girl loves painting, she loves her goldfish, her baby blanket. She's living her best life, ribbon twirling in an alternative art school until her mom decided to have a baby with her new husband who happens to be a general in the army which forces the family to move to a military base. Now, the other main character is a Capricorn, clearly. Grew up in a military family, deep, passionate, deep, deep passion for hospital corners and calling people maggots. But these, with unlikely odds, these two will, you know, team up together and win a dance championship. And maybe this feels relevant right now because eventually we're going to have to figure out what to do with the seven plus million Americans who are also living beside us in 2020 and wanted to reelect Donald Trump. If only it was easy to heal our national divide by twirling fake guns and le- learning a synchronized clapping, dancing and stomping routine. Let's be honest, though, we've seen some of those Trump supporters dance. We've seen Donald Trump dance and what they lack in rhythm, they make for up for with race- racist and inser- internalized misogyny. It's an uphill battle to be sure. But let's be honest, we've seen some of those Trump supporters get down and what they lack in rhythm, they make up for with racist and internalized misogyny. It's an uphill battle to be sure. So let's get into this chart. Now, according to IMDb, the filming began on July 30th, 2001, and it took place in Toronto, Canada. 
with so many of the birth charts we use on the show, we are again using the birth time of noon. Now, when you go to astro.com, which is my favorite, or whatever software, wherever you generate a birth chart, if you draw them up, you are going to see a damn rectangle for this chart. Like legitimately, it, it is a rectangle. For reference, this is not super common. I've looked at a lot of birth charts. As you know, we've done a bunch of episodes, not a lot of rectangles. Okay, so you've probably seen birth charts before, and if you have, then you've seen, you know, straight lines across one another, or maybe like a triangular shape or two. But this chart legit looks like a rectangular box with a giant X in the middle. Now, because it's astrology, we have a name for this rectangle. And also because it's astrology, this name is way cooler than just rectangle. It's a mystic rectangle. I know. On their own, rectangles don't have a naturally mystical quality to themselves, do they? It's like a square, but longer. Mystical rectangles are pretty easy to spot because, again, rectangle, but they are comprised of four planets or placements forming the four corners. And these four planets or placements are basically two oppositions that are sextile one another. Okay, we are breaking it down. An opposition, right? are two placements in opposite signs. So one in one sign and one in the other. And a sextile is something that's two signs away from one another. So let's make the rectangle with our mind. Okay. In this case, the top left-hand corner of the rectangle, ready? You're drawing a dot in your mind, is Neptune in seven degrees of Aquarius. Now this is exactly opposite the sun, which is in seven degrees of Leo. And that sun placement is the bottom right-hand corner of the rectangle. You got me? You've made two dots? Okay. One opposition down, one to go. We also have Pluto in 12 degrees of Sagittarius, which is the making the right-hand corner. So that top right-hand corner. And that is forming an opposition to Saturn, which is in 12 degrees of Gemini. And that's the bottom left-hand corner. Okay? So you've got all the corners. Perfect. The oppositions, check. We have the two oppositions. Now, sextiles. Sextiles, unlike oppositions, are a natural energy, right? Like think about things that oppose each other. This is not, that's not a casual relationship. But sextiles are really easy, nice, fun. Fire signs and air signs are always going to be sextile to one another. And water signs and earth signs are always sextile to one another, right? You might know your sun sign and think, hey, I actually have a lot of friends who aren't my same element. So maybe I'm a water sign and I have a ton of friends who aren't water signs, but who are earth signs. We just really vibe. It's pretty common. Okay. This kind of makes sense, right? Two signs apart. When I think of sextiles, I like to think of picturing yourself in an apartment building. Now, if you've lived in an apartment or you've shared a wall with someone, this is going to track for you because the person that you share a wall with, you probably fucking hate, right? Okay, they are way too loud. Their taste in music is terrible. But think about the person who you don't share a wall with, who is like one apartment down from that person you loathe, right? You probably don't hate them as much. Like if you ran into them on the stairs or in an elevator or in the laundry room, maybe you'd make like a snide remark about how your shared neighbor insists on whistling at odd hours or always manages to burn their toast or whatever it is they've done this week to piss you off. Now in this chart, Gemini and Leo, they're trying one another. They're hanging out. They're sipping drinks. They're talking mad shit about how cancer, the sign between them, needs to stop listening to the the saddest music of all time and how they're always fucking home burning some kind of weird smelling candle. Like cancer, we know it's pandemic, but you could leave your house. Like some of us go on walks. It's a thing. Like Palo Santo isn't going to make us a damn margarita. 
we don't want to be friends. We we have the same walls. We're not, Gemini and Leo, not interested. Definitely interested in shit talking. Similarly in this chart, Aquarius and Sagittarius are sextile one another as well. They're both loving to talk loudly and excitedly about how happy they are to have found someone else who hates that Capricorn, their shared neighbor, is consistently and constantly leaving neatly typed notices about not leaving your washer not leaving your laundry in the washer or dryer because it means that others aren't able to use the machines or refraining from, quote, using powder detergent because it leaves a residue even after a rinse cycle. They're turning to themselves and saying, life is meant to be lived, Cappy baby. No neatly printed notice in Helvetica font is changing that anytime soon. So a mystical rectangle, a mystic rectangle, is about those two oppositions, Gemini and Sagittarius, Pluto and Saturn, right? And Aquarius and Leo, which are in Neptune and the sun, using that feel-good sextile energy we talked about to get things done. A chart with a mystic rectangle is about finding creative ways to solve the issues that those oppositions bring to the forefront. So let's break down the placements. A sun in Leo gives a chart holder a real magnetism and star power often. The sun is happiest in the sign of Leo because this sign is ruled by the sun. It's really natural and really powerful. But the downside of a Leo sun, right, is there can be confidence bordering on bravado. But this placement is being tempered by that Neptune in Aquarius. Wherever you have Aquarius in your chart speaks to where you care about the collective, you know, the society as a whole. It's where you're an idealist, you know, philosopher in a way. In Neptune, there's a really idealistic position. You dream about helping others. And I think this opposition between the sun and Neptune is really clear in the film. Christy Carlson Romano's character, Jennifer Stone, is innately confident in herself and her processes. She grew up in military school. She's very comfortable. She runs the show. Hilary Duff's character, Kelly Collins, is dreamy and idealistic, and she definitely opposes Christy Carlson Romano's character's point of view. Kelly says, do people, calling people maggots, does that really com- create camaraderie? Or does it really enforce a power structure and hurt others until they themselves are in a position of power and then able to exact revenge? Is it just a cycle? And while we're talking about power structures, you know it's going to go down in this chart because there is a Pluto-Saturn opposition. Pluto and Saturn are both planets that deal with themes of power and authority, but the ideas of power and what the nature of power really is are super different between these two planets. They don't really see eye to eye on these themes. As you might remember, Saturn loves a good hierarchy, a structured and disciplined power system. If you do the work, you'll advance in Saturn Corp. Saturn in this chart is in Gemini, and that tells us that there could be those Saturnian delays or struggles around mental clarity, or maybe even mental maturity. Saturn Geminis are people who might put up a sarcastic or witty little front instead of delving into the deepness of their feelings or their thoughts or their life trajectory. They can label what they're thinking, but they're not necessarily analyzing those things. I'm not saying people with Saturn and Gemini are dumb. Far from it. Geminis are quick-witted and they love to learn, especially loving to learn about lots of random things. But anytime we see Saturn, we're expecting to see delays. So I think this could be as simple as someone who delays, you know, higher education or someone who maybe puts off the work uh, of really learning who they are and their thoughts. Pluto in Sagittarius talks about rebuilding power and culture through ideals. 
Pluto, right, is about destruction and rebuilding. Sagittarius is about higher ideals. Pluto and Saturn are generational planets, and they imprint shared experiences and perspectives on whole swaths of the population when this planet is in that sign. Pluto in Sagittarius is about the disruption of information. It's about the rise of the internet and the ability for many people to access information and change in ways they hadn't before. It shifts the power dynamic. If you were only able to, you know, gain information by going to a library or going to higher, you know, education, it was limiting. And now if you can Google something, you know more than you would have ever before. It's way easier. This movie is made in 2002. And this, you know, the internet is still quite new. We have AIM and everything going on, but it's beginning to become the life force that it is now. So Pluto and Sagittarius, Saturn and Gemini, this exact opposition in 12 degrees, It teaches us about education, right? Gemini and Sagittarius about education. Gemini, primary education. Sagittarius, higher education. So it should be no surprise this movie takes place at a school. It's a military school to be exact. Could we get more of a Saturn-Pluto vibe as well? Could we get more on the nose? This is best exemplified in the film by the ongoing struggle between Kelly, Hilary Duff, and Jennifer Christy Carlson Romano. Jennifer and Kelly really don't see eye to eye. We kind of covered that. It does escalate though because Jennifer rips up Kelly's beloved blanket. Kelly dyes Jennifer's hair into a striped neon rainbow when she's asleep. These two are constantly opposed to one another. Jennifer is that Saturn and Gemini. She's efficient and smart and she's the Saturnian top dog. She runs the school and damn it, everybody knows it. Kelly is pure Pluto. She is disruptive. She is questioning the whys and hows of military school. In Sagittarius fashion, she is committed to her beliefs. She's here to upset the status quo, and she doesn't care about the cost. So what about the part where these ladies get along and win second place in regionals or whatever? Like, where does that show up in the chart? Let's talk about sextiles, baby. Now, in this chart, we have the clear presentation of Jennifer, that sun in seven degrees of Leo sextile Saturn in Gemini right? Saturn and the sun are working together to build someone who's hardworking, focused, productive, dotting them I's, crossing them T's. There is a clipboard in hand and a closely followed itinerary. But Neptune sextile Pluto, it's all Kelly. It's intuitive, mystical, creative. It's the people who think outside the box as much as we hate that saying. They don't feel bound by the norms and protocols of what's going on around them. They're looking for the best thing, the most creative thing, the most, you know, feeling intuitive thing. It's not about what everyone else thinks is right or what society thinks is right. Now, when these sextiles come together, it's combining the hard work of practicing that dance routine and the creativity to develop a great new one. And that's how they win. If you've listened to other episodes about movies, I typically, you know, note the date that the film premieres. And in this case, the film debuted on March 8th, 2002. To build this birth chart, I used 8 p.m. as a birth time, since we know that Disney Channel original movies typically debut at night, and I put Los Angeles as the birth time. And it's at this point that I want to admit something right off the bat. I definitely watched Cadet Kelly when it debuted, despite the fact that I might have been aging out of the DCOM lifestyle at the ripe age of 13. And for that, I feel no shame. But really, what I wanted to come clean about, yeah, that is a Hillary Duff reference, is that I thought I'd see some wild connection in the film chart that referenced either Christy Carlson Romano or Hilary Duff, or hopefully both, because that would be a way better episode. But the original birth chart 
just doesn't show us that. Here's where it gets a little crazy, though. The film premiere chart does give us a little nod to Christine Hillary. So March 8th, 2002, we are firmly in Pisces season. Christy Carlson Romano is also a March birthday, but her birthday is on March 20th. So she's not a Pisces, she's an Aries. It's the first day of Aries season, though, and her son is in zero degrees of Aries. This is where it gets a little interesting. Venus in the film premiere chart is in one degree of Aries. So her Christy Carlson Romano's sun sign and the Venus in the film premiere chart are almost exactly conjunct. A one degree difference is very strong. Venus, I think in this relationship, the sinistry moment, it's about values. Christy Carlson Romano starred in this movie, but at the time she was already on Even Stevens. I think this is about talking to her long career with Disney. She goes on to voice Kim Possible, the TV show, and two Kim Possible movies. She's Belle in the Broadway musical Beauty and the Beast and when it gets uh, an off-Broadway tour. She voiced a character in a Disney video game called Kingdom of Hearts, and she was in four other Disney and ABC TV movies. So Venus values, I think in this case, it's that Christy Carlson Romano happens to align with the Disney aesthetic also very Venus. And I think the Venus idea of money comes up here because that clearly probably was a fair amount of cash that she earned doing all those things. We also see that Hillary Duff has a native Venus placement in 15 degrees of Libra. So her Venus is in 15 degrees of Libra. And that is exactly conjunct the ascendant sign, 15 degrees of Libra in the film premiere chart. Ascendant, we also use the term rising sign. So those are the same. This conjunction is about a meeting of the minds, a meeting of the values, a meeting of of the vibes. Hillary's values, her aesthetic, they are very clearly aligned with the film's ascendant sign, which is how people perceive them. So I'll spell it out. Hillary Duff is quickly becoming the queen of Disney in 2002. Lizzie McGuire has been on the air for almost a year. She's incredibly popular. Actually, I guess over a year. She was incredibly popular. She's becoming the face of a network. I mean, they even made her an honorary cadet while they were filming this movie at a military school in Canada. I think my original idea that I would see some signifiers in the original birth chart was perhaps misplaced. I did a little research, and the thing is, this film wasn't a huge breakthrough moment for either Hillary or Christy. At the time, they both have Disney Channel shows that are infinitely more successful. They'd go on to have the projects I mentioned that were much more integral to their career. This is just like those Venusian placements are suggesting. It's a good time. Good money, good taste, on brand, but not much more than that. And that's it for Cadet Kelly. So whether you're an army brat or an art school aficionado, please remember that everyone and everything has a birth chart, but yours is a chart of fortune. Thank you for listening to Chart of Fortune. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review so that our astro pop culture posse can get a little bigger. You know, looking for friends at the end of the world and all. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email me at chartoffortune at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-R-T-F-O-F-O-R-T-U-N-E at gmail.com. Or come say hi, Instagram at Chart of Fortune. No spaces or underscores or anything to mess you up. Okay, bye.